Welcome to the Lady Beta Podcast. We're going to be talking about all things business growth, brain rewiring, and climbing from a holistic point of view. You can learn more about me and follow me over on Instagram at ladybeta.coaching and on my website, ladybetacoaching.com. You'll also find freebies for building your business, brain rewiring, and training for climbing. I am so excited to have you here. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. It is a absolutely gorgeous, sunny, beautiful day in Leavenworth, Washington, and sitting here looking out at all the pine trees and the mountains and the sunny weather. Oh, it just makes me so thankful to live here, and I'm so excited to be talking about today's topic. We're talking all about eight ways to get better at climbing without physical training. So this idea came to me yesterday on a run. I was running, could see a view of the mountains. It was beautiful. The light was diffusing through through the mountain hillside. Oh my God, it was just, it was so nice. And I was really sitting there and thinking about launching my signature program, Elevate, which if you haven't heard about, this is my program that combines nutrition, hormone balancing, training, mindset, primarily for women. And I was really thinking about relaunching that and how excited I am that that's going to be coming back out at the end of this month, at the end of May. And I was really thinking about like, holy moly, there are so many things that you can do to actually get better at climbing with the, and they aren't even physical training. Like I think for me anyway, and I found this to be very true when I go to market and put out services is that training, selling training is easy. It's sexy. People are like, oh yeah, it's super actionable. That's easy to do. I can absolutely, you know, do some weighted pull-ups. I can throw myself at a hangboard. I can do the four by fours, I can do do the things that make me physically stronger. But what people are maybe a little bit more resistant to are those other less tangible things. But honestly, these are the things that are really going to bring you the most benefit. And when I look back at my own personal climbing, I really look at all of these things like, yep, training is absolutely a part of it. Like if you were to put all of these things on a pie chart, absolutely physical training would be there. But like, it is definitely not the biggest piece of it. Like there are so many other puzzle pieces for this that really unlock a lot of confidence. It can unlock a lot of like getting to know yourself better and really feeling empowered to like give yourself permission to even like try harder things in the first place. So I'm really excited to be talking about eight ways to get better at climbing without physical training. And I think a lot of these are going to resonate if these aren't areas that you've looked into before, or maybe they have. This is like a nice reminder, like, hey, these things still exist. And to maybe like revisit these topics because you can only really go so far with physical training. You know, your your body gets tired at a certain point in time and we know that we don't get stronger while we train, we get stronger while we rest. And when you're resting, you can be doing a lot of other things, actually. You can be working on your mindset, you can be growing a community, you can be, you know, essentially researching new places to go climb. Like, there are really so many other things that you can be doing that aren't necessarily the physical training, even though sometimes it feels like that's the thing that's going to move the needle essentially faster for your climbing. So I'm really pumped about this. And kind of like I mentioned, Elevate is coming back at the end of the month. This is actually my signature climbing coaching program. It is an extremely transformative 12-week program. And this time it's going to be completely self-paced. So that means it's going to be at a much lower price point. You get access to all of the materials. There are 12 weeks of material. It's six weeks of mindset work to set the base and foundation. Three weeks of 
nutrition information, two weeks of hormone balancing, one week to wrap it all together, and you have the option of adding on a physical training plan if you would like to. Um, although at the end of this, you might revisit and be like, actually, it's all the other stuff that I really want to work on. And within this program, you get access to a ton of bonus content materials. I have interviews with so many different professionals. We have mobility training. We have a nutritionist. And I am just super excited because this program is really the thing that made Lady Beta Lady Beta. Like this is the program. Elevate. Um, I've had over, I think almost 80 women go through this program at this point in time. And I am just so excited because for the longest time, like I was really feeling resistant to talking about things like climbing and putting out more climbing content and climbing programs. And I really realized that The reason I felt that way is because I don't know if you guys have, (laughs) I've talked about it a lot on here, but the four tendencies and the Enneagram are for me really important tools to not only getting to know myself better, but my clients. I use it with all of my clients. I find it to be highly valuable information. And for me, it was like, I was trying to put myself in this weird box of like, I almost felt like I couldn't not talk about climbing. And because it felt a little bit forced, like then I didn't want to. And for me being a rebel on the four tendencies, if I don't want to do something like oh my god I don't know hell or high water like it's not getting done and sometimes that is such a frustrating trait to have because it's like I can't even force myself to do it even if it's something that I know is good for me or something that I quote should be doing so for me once I kind of gave myself permission to move a little bit away from climbing I was like oh yeah hell yeah I want to talk about that again like that sounds fun let's absolutely do that and the universe gave me this big download to relaunch elevate and this is honestly just perfect timing May is one of my all-time favorite months like there's just like for me, it feels like so much possibility. It feels like so much new opportunities. And it's just like, oh, the weather gets beautiful. It's so fun. Like you actually start to get to go outside again. Like, so for, in my mind, this is just perfect timing. So you get access to the program for a lifetime. It's 12 weeks worth of information. You can go at it at your own pace. If you want to do it all in six weeks, absolutely go for it. If you want to spread it out and take a little bit longer, hell yeah, go for it. And you'll again, have that option to add on a 12 week training plan. And that can be tailored to a gym if you have access to a gym and equipment, or it can be tailored to working out at home with just a hangboard. So I am so excited for that. I will put the link to join the waitlist in the show notes. So if you are excited about that, you'll be the first to know, and you'll actually be able to save $200 off of enrollment, which I am really pumped about. I'll have payment plan options and everything. And for me and my business right now, this just feels so right. This is a program that I've worked so incredibly hard on. This is actually going to be the fifth time that I'm running it. So by now it's, it's really good. Um, all of the information in there is completely tailored to what I know people want and need and things that I have found to be the most impactful. So I'm super pumped for this to make its debut again. I'm so excited. And with that, let's start to dive into the eight ways and eight things that you can do to get better at climbing without physical training. Okay. So number one, is going to be nutrition. And I'm probably not going to say what you think I'm going to say, unless you've been following me for a while, wherein you probably might assume what I'm going to talk about. So the number one thing with nutrition and the number one thing that I see when I'm working with women is they are not eating enough. So we're not talking nutrition. Like I honestly could care less about macros and, you know, different types of like diets and specifically what foods you're eating. Like that to me does not matter as much because it's usually that number one thing is like, if you're not eating, enough in the first place and you're not fueling your body none of that shit matters like you essentially like you can't pass go 
without doing any of this. Like if you're not eating enough, like there's no amount of tweaking your macros or experimenting with different foods that's going to make you feel better because your body's just not getting enough nourishment in the first place. So for me, that is absolutely the number one thing that I think is going to be really helpful for people is like maybe spend a couple of days tracking your food. I don't really love many of the apps out there because I think they're very rooted in fat phobia and it's kind of like hard to really take an objective look at things and be like, actually, no, I just want the data. Like when you're doing something like tracking, you're not trying to actively reduce your calories. Like that is not the point. But I find that that happens for a lot of people because they see a number, they freak out and they're like, oh my God, how can I reduce that? But literally the only goal when you're tracking, especially if you're just getting an idea of how much you're eating per day is to just see the numbers and to not try to change them at all. And then after that, of course, you can do what you want with the with the data. But I cannot tell you how many times that I've seen that women are swear to me, swear to me that they are eating enough and, you know, I'll have them track for a couple of days. And certainly they are not like definitely not by any means, not by any way, shape or standard. Are they eating enough to fuel not only like their daily activity, but then physical training beyond that, like most of the women that I work with are extremely active. So you're adding working out on top of your daily calorie expenditure, just like from being alive. And yeah, you got to eat enough. Like enough is going to look a little bit different for everybody. That number is absolutely not going to be the same for everyone. But something that if you haven't looked into before is the basal metabolic rate. So the basal metabolic rate is actually the rate at which if you were to do literally nothing throughout the day that your body would still burn calories. So this is maybe going to be anywhere from like 1200 to maybe like 1600. It just kind of depends on different factors, gender, age, uh, metabolism, hormones, a lot of different things go into that. But your BMR, like that's like if you eat less than that like that doesn't mean that you should be aiming for that number like hell no that's without any daily activity whatsoever like if you were to literally just like be a be a melted thing on the couch for like the entire day your body would still burn that amount of calories just by doing things like breathing thinking like your body needs the food. I promise you it does. And with the basal metabolic rate, that can start to give you an idea. And then looking at your tracking and seeing like, oh my gosh, are these numbers too similar? Like, how am I even giving myself enough room then to go do physical training on top of this? Like probably needing to add in more calories. And I know a big piece of this with a lot of people sometimes is fear of gaining weight. But I truly believe that if we are under eating and putting our bodies into starvation mode, that's causing a lot of stress on our bodies, like a lot. That is not a fun place for our bodies to be at. So our bodies can actually hold on to more weight when you under eat. And for me, this is just, I literally, I see this all the time and it breaks my heart. So if you're going to do something like tracking and you have a history of disordered eating or eating disorders, maybe this isn't the right time for you. But if you're somebody that feels like you can handle it, again, you're literally just looking to see the numbers. You're not trying to change them. You're just saying, okay, where am I at in this season and period of life right now? And how can I take this data and potentially do something from here? Or maybe you do find out that you're actually eating, quote, enough and you feel good with that. And that gives you the confidence to be like, okay, I feel really good about my nutrition. I can kind of like check that off the list for right now. Maybe I'll revisit it later. But the two apps that I don't hate, um, Again, I don't super love them because I think that they can be pretty triggering, especially if you've ever had issues with food in the past. Um, but I like chronometer or chronometer. 
either way you can pr- pronounce it. And I also rather enjoy my fitness pal. It just kind of depends which one works for you. And really, again, like I would say maybe three to five days of tracking, and that'll probably give you a pretty good idea of what your daily habits look like. I would include both weekdays and weekend days if you're somebody that works a lot, and then maybe you go climbing on the weekend. So just so you get a spread and you really see, okay, maybe I eat a little bit differently on the weekends just because of the activities that I'm doing. But again, like what we're doing here is we're not trying to change those numbers. You're literally just trying to get that data and information to see, do I have any wiggle room here? And also another really big one along with not eating enough that I see, especially in women, is not getting enough protein. And protein is a really tricky one because if you're doing something like physical training and then you're not getting enough protein, that's like, it's totally detrimental. And it's actually like, it's not, you're not going to be keeping those training gains that you worked so hard for. So protein. And again, like these numbers, when I say enough or like enough calories, enough protein, it's going to look different for everybody. But if you're somebody that's okay, I tracked for a couple of days and I'm getting an average of around 60 grams of protein. It's likely not enough with the training that you're doing. It might be enough for somebody like a standard American, but if you're somebody that's really looking to push your boundaries, then that's going to be a big piece of the puzzle. And another thing that I really love about Elevate is I go really deep into animal and plant-based proteins as well, because that absolutely comes into play. Not all proteins are created equal and it doesn't necessarily matter, you know, if you are plant-based or if you are consuming animal products, I like to provide information for both sides because I've absolutely been there myself. I've been plant-based before and I found it rather difficult to be getting enough both calories and protein. So having guides for that was really, really helpful. So nutrition, that's absolutely going to be the first place. That's the first stopping point and really making sure that you're eating enough. Like if you are somebody that's been under eating, especially for let's say a pretty chronic period of time and you actually do start increasing your calorie intake, you are literally going to feel so much better. Like I cannot even tell you how much better you're going to feel. And you are probably going to climb better just because of that fact. Like you're going to have more energy. You're going to have more power. Like you're going to be able to climb longer. You're going to be able to do more burns. Like it is honestly really worth looking into this for yourself. Okay. Number two is going to be hormone balancing. So the goal with this is to feel better more often. And when I say balancing, this doesn't mean like we want all of our hormone levels to be at the exact same place. And I actually did a podcast episode with Neely of Training Beta all about this. If you guys are interested in learning quite a bit more about this. I'm just going to touch on it briefly here because I do think it's really worth mentioning. So if you are a woman or if you are somebody who cycles regularly, I think that it's really worth looking into where my hormones at right now. So maybe doing some testing so you can either do that through your doctor or there are independent testing sites that you can order from online. I've used Everly well in the past and they seem to do a pretty decent job of just like it's a do it at home, like do it yourself type of kit. And I got a lot of information from that. But if you're somebody that's like, yeah, like I don't really know about hormones at all, I would probably recommend working with your doctor or a naturopath so that they can actually read the test results to you instead of you just getting the test results back and being like, now what? Cool. So what you're really looking for with hormone balancing is we're looking at things like estrogen, progesterone, we're looking at cortisol. So these are all going to be part of our sex hormones. So with the estrogen and the progesterone, those are the two main hormones that we have with our cycles. So it's going to be really important that, you know, you find out essentially if you're estrogen dominant, if you don't have enough progesterone, which those are the two most common ones for women. And those can absolutely create 
you know, issues with your cycle during the month. So let's say you have really bad cramping or you just feel like legitimately awful the week before your period, which if you're not feeling good a week out of the month, like that's, mm, yeah, we got to get you feeling a little bit better there because I've definitely been there in the past. And that was something that was really frustrating for me. I'm like, what? I only get like two good weeks a month. And then that's like when I should go perform at rock climbing and the rest of it's just like totally up in the air and iffy. So looking into those things is really important. That's a lot of what we focus on in Elevate as well is really teaching you those specific hormones that we're looking for and teaching you too how to do things like cycle sync so that you can actually start feeling better in the four distinct phases of your cycle. Super, super important because women's bodies, we're like, we're literally a different person every seven days versus our male counterparts. They're different every 28 days. So it's like, it's crazy and so mind-blowing that like our bodies are so different, but I mean, it's actually really fun because then that means that we get to take that chance to experiment and see what feels really, really good for us. So again, with hormone balancing, the goal here is to feel better more often because you're probably going to climb better because of that. If your hormones are nice, happy, and balanced, and I mentioned earlier cortisol. So cortisol is our main stress response hormone. So if you have cortisol in a balanced way in your body, you're going to have a better stress response and you're going to feel much better overall. Promise you, if you've had a high baseline level of cortisol, that can lead to something like adrenal fatigue, and that's something to where that's just going to make you feel super tired for a very long period of time. And if I can get women to avoid that, that for me is a huge win. So with hormone balancing, you know, there are a lot of different aspects that you, of this that you can really look into. But for me, the most important ones, again, estrogen, progesterone, cortisol, and then looking into elements of cycle syncing because our cycles are, it's like a beautiful gift once you learn how to work with it. But I will, I will tell you, like before I learned how to work with it. Definitely didn't think of it as a beautiful gift. I was like, oh my God, this nightmare is coming every single month and I have to deal with this. And now for me, my cycle comes in a way that I'm like, yep, that that wasn't painful at all. And it came and it went. And you know, there are periods of time where I feel way more creative, periods that I feel like I need to withdraw into myself and not talk to as many people, but it's certainly nowhere as painful and bad as it used to be. So number three that we're going to talk about is mindset work. So mindset work in my definition is something that is ongoing kind of all the time. It's something that I don't think we ever should be stopping doing. There's different components of mindset work. And the reason that I kind of preface it that way is because the next thing that we're going to talk about is brain rewiring. And in my mind, they are definitely completely separate things. So let's talk about mindset work first. So mindset work is essentially doing work to continually improve your mindset over your lifetime. Like mindset work is pretty much never done. And with mindset work and specifically related to climbing, this can be things like overcoming the fear of falling, really working through your fear of falling and setting a dedicated time and place to do that. This is why we spend an entire module on this in Elevate because it is literally that important and really getting to the bottom of like, okay, where did this fear come from in the first place? Is it a fear of a loss of control? Is this like my inner child acting out? Like what's actually going on here. Other things like working through the fear of injury, that can be a really big one that when I talk to people is really holding them back from trying hard or trying their absolute hardest is like, I don't want to get injured. Maybe they've never been injured or maybe they don't want to get injured again, but that is a really, really common one. Other things that you can do with mindset work. So working on the comparison trap, feeling that need to constantly compare yourself to others and then putting yourself down, um, no matter if you are or aren't doing well in your mind, other things you can work on with mindset work, building confidence, 
that's a huge one. So just like essentially hyping yourself up so that you can get on harder stuff in the first place. And mindset work, I think, is honestly such a fun way to improve your climbing because you get to know yourself really well. So you can do things like journaling. You can talk with people. This I find that to be really therapeutic and really helpful is just like literally talking through these things with a supportive person or group of people that really understand you and where you're at and really being able to be vulnerable with these things like, okay, yep, I'm working through the fear of falling and here is when this comes up for me and here's what I'm actually feeling. Like in reality, I'm just feeling afraid. I'm feeling like I don't want to lose my control over things because if I don't have control over this, what do I have control over? And for me with mindset work, again, this is why it's such a big part of Elevate is because if we can really set that base and foundation first, then everything from there, you're going to view nutrition completely differently. You're going to view things like your, your hormone balancing completely different and your performance completely different if you have this solid base of mindset work first. So mindset work is often really well done with other people or having some support or accountability because mindset work is one of those things where it's like, yeah, in theory, that sounds great. I'm going to do a ton of mindset work. And then you're like, but like, how, how do I do those things? So again, journaling prompts can be really helpful for that. And I'm going to get into this later, but actually one of the biggest tips that I have here in these eight ways to get better at climbing is reading books. So that can be a really good one too. And that can actually spark a lot of ideas for you. So the next one is brain rewiring. So brain rewiring is a more specific and time sensitive process than mindset work is. Brain rewiring is not meant to go on for forever. I mean, these are tools that you can use for forever, but the specific brain rewiring process where you do the four rounds of 15 minutes, that is not meant to be done for every day for the rest of your life. So with brain rewiring, it includes components like shadow work, inner child healing, trauma work. And what it really does is it gets down to your limiting beliefs that you're holding about yourself, what you're capable of and what you're worthy of. And this for me, separates out from mindset work because mindset work is a little bit more in my mind surface level whereas brain rewiring is like oh we going fucking deep like we getting on in there and we're really seeing the inner workings of your brain and everything that you truly believe about yourself and sometimes you know it's kind of hard to face what might be in our brains and where all of these thought patterns come from. But the ultimate goal with brain rewiring is to not only observe and notice these patterns, but then to actually change them. And with the brain rewiring, what we're doing is we are taking those limiting beliefs and we are actively challenging them. We're saying, where's the logical evidence for this? And then we are inserting new future visualizations of how we actually want our lives to look instead. And this is why it's so important to have support throughout this entire process too because these are not necessarily easy things to come to terms with and a lot of the times like we are really good at bullshitting ourselves I know I definitely am sometimes where I'm like oh yeah this is the this is the issue for sure and you know I'll go and talk to one of my coaches about it and they're like that is not the issue like you are covering up for the issue and it is certainly not that like just be a little bit honest with yourself and you'll actually see what the the real issue is so sometimes it's nice to have somebody lovingly call you out on those things that you can actually start to do that deeper work and like what I mentioned before with the shadow work the inner child healing and the trauma work all of those work together so that you can actually start to heal from the things that have caused you to hold on to these limiting beliefs. So it's one thing 
to notice the limiting beliefs. And it's another thing to be like, okay, now what do we do about them? Because they're not just going to go away after you identify them. It's an entire process and it's not necessarily comfortable, but it is very worth it on the other side. And for me doing things like inner child healing and shadow work, especially those have been so helpful, so, so helpful in being able to build my confidence and really see like I was absolutely holding myself back. Like I didn't even think I was worthy of climbing harder. So no wonder it was like a ton of self-sabotage. Like every time I get on something, like I didn't truly believe I could do it anyway. So I definitely wasn't trying my hardest. And it was like this super negative cycle that I was able to break out of. And ultimately for me on the other side of brain rewiring, like it's been such a fun process because I believe in myself so much more. I'm so much nicer to myself. And because of those things, like literally that is like, that allowed me to climb a lot harder in and of itself. So So number five is going to be visualization and route maps. So this is a really fun one because if you're somebody that's a little bit more creative, you can really dive into this one. So with visualization, so if you want to do this with your eyes closed, if you want to just do it outside, again, this is where like physical training, like we just can't do this all the time. You know, there's only so many burns a day that you can put on a project that to where your performance starts diminishing, like you're going to get diminishing returns on that. So visualization can be really powerful of literally like sitting there and thinking about yourself climbing the route successfully visualizing hitting each of those moves how are they going to feel in your hand where are your hips going to be what position are they in you know how's the rock going to feel under your skin how are you going to feel when you actually stand at the top of the route are you going to feel elated like are you going to cry what's going to happen there visualization can be such a powerful tool and I really think it's underutilized and then for me I also put this in the same category are the route maps so like this is how you dial in beta like this is how you get like super in on that micro beta the things that like if you're trying to project something at your limit or really push the limits for yourself getting as detailed as possible and you can actually do this by drawing like a physical route map if that's something that you feel like you're good at Um, I definitely do these from time to time especially when I'm projecting longer sport climbs Um, boulders, I can kind of keep like the shorter moves in my head for sure, but route maps can be really helpful and you don't need to be good at drawing to do this. Like all it needs to do is like remind you of the moves and you can write like left hand, right foot, right hand, left foot on there. And that can be really helpful. And you can kind of like draw out the hold shape. So for me, when I'm climbing things, I always like name, uh, the holds and I'm like, okay, that's the bread loaf pinch, or this one's like the undercling with the thumb catch, or that one's going to be like the slopey ball. So I always give things names and honestly it like helps me feel more connected to the route too so that can be a really helpful one Number six, kind of like I mentioned earlier, read a book. So books can be really helpful, especially if you are somebody that learns really well through reading. And for me, I have a couple of books that have made a pretty decent impact on me. Um, I don't do this as much anymore, admittedly, just because I am more of like a hands-on learner. I learn really well through doing things. And books for me do kind of tend to lose it a little bit if I can't go immediately apply it. But some of the ones that I have enjoyed in the past, just to give you a little bit of an example, so that you can go check these out if you haven't ever read them. So Vertical Mind by Dan McGrath and Jeff Ellison. That has been a really impactful one. That is specifically on mindset training for climbing. That one I found to be really helpful and really insightful. Number two is going to be The Rock Warrior's Way by Arno Ildner. And that one for me, like it was pretty good. I think that Arno does an amazing job, but I do think that a lot that's missing in there is kind of like taking this approach to overcoming, let's say, fear of falling, but then applying it directly to women. Like, I think for me, it loses a lot of it in the terms of like, okay, you just got to go do the thing, but he doesn't necessarily address a lot of the underlying fears of 
as to why like just going and doing the thing might not feel very good in the first place. And for me, a lot of that comes back to trauma. It comes back to inner child healing and it comes back to shadow work. So for me, that's why I really like brain rewiring for tackling some of these more specific issues with our climbing. And then the third one that I really liked and enjoy, this is actually two books, but by the same author, How to Climb 512 and Training for Climbing by Eric Hurst. I just really love Eric. I think he does a great job. He is the owner and founder of Fizzy Vantage as well. And you guys know I absolutely love Fizzy Vantage. So his books for me were some of the first that I ever read on training. And it was really inspiring for me to actually read through these books and be like, okay, yeah, like I'm psyched. Like this is fun. And really being able to read a little bit more about climbing and kind of remembering my why of why I was doing it in the first place and why it's such an important sport to me. So reading the books, that can be a really helpful thing in your journey to getting stronger without actually putting in more physical effort. Okay, number seven, this is finding a community. Oh my gosh, so important. If you have not found your people yet, like let's let's get you to do that because honestly, if you feel like you have people that support you, like this is such a powerful thing. So places like the Lady Beta Facebook group, that can be really helpful. If you've not joined the Lady Beta Facebook group, we've got over 1,500 people in there that would absolutely love to meet you. They would absolutely love to meet you. You can plan meetups in there. I just think it's a really great group. And you can also find local Facebook groups as well. You can do a women's night at the gym. If you can't find a community, create one. Like honestly, it's it's literally nuts how much this changes things. Like once you find your people and once you find people that are like, essentially they share the same level of stoke. They're there to support you. Being in their energy feels contagious. Like this can change everything. Like for me, over Over the winter, I found a crew of really psyched people and I was like, wow, I feel like I can literally just climb two grades harder just because of that because I know they're supporting me. They're actually spotting me. They're really supportive of me and like I know they want me to be successful just as much as they want to be successful themselves. So finding a community is hugely important and again, if you don't have one, I got you covered. Go join the Lady Beta Facebook group. Follow me on Instagram. We've got a great community of people there and for me, it is just such one of my passions to create communities because I feel like I was really lacking that in the beginning of my climb. And I just like climbed with my college friends and I was like, yeah, this is fun. But like, uh, is there anybody else out there? Are there women out there? Like, can we climb together? That sounds kind of fun. So this can be a huge piece of the puzzle is just finding a community that you really resonate with and that you feel really good surrounding yourself with. Okay, number eight, the last one is to go to a new area and or get on what you are not good at. So we all know that working our weaknesses can be something that's really beneficial. And for me, being able to go to a new area, so let's say, for example, 10 sleep, I would not necessarily consider that my strength in climbing. Um, I'm really excited to go and I know it's going to make me a better climber. And absolutely, I'm going to do some physical training to prepare for that. But I know just because of that trip, like I'm going to get better at climbing because of that, because I am giving my more exposure to more different types of rocks and I'm going to be able to really push my boundaries on things I'm going to not have any expectations to I think that that's also really important is when you're going to a new place is just to drop expectations and literally just have fun like that is why we do this in the first place and kind of remembering that reason so going to a new area can absolutely renew psych as well. If you're somebody that's like, yeah, I get kind of burnt out on the same area. So that can be a really fun thing. Plan a trip. You know, things are opening back up and people are getting vaccinated. So it's going to be 
travel safe friendly pretty soon so if you're somebody that has the ability to go plan a trip would absolutely recommend that and it's something too that it's kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel it's like yeah I'm so excited for my trip like it kind of keeps your psych up and then for me after a big trip usually I like to take a bit of time off um, and that's generally just the flow of things because it's like this huge energy expenditure and then you get back and you're like oh my god I'm tired and you know I did all this preparation for that whether that's training or mindset work or whatever it was and then you get a little bit of a break at the end and it feels really great. So, okay, to run back through that list again, eight ways to get better at climbing without physical training. Number one is nutrition, specifically making sure you're eating enough. Number two, hormone balancing. Number three, mindset work. Number four, brain rewiring. Number five is going to be visualization and or route maps. Number six, read a book. Number seven, find a community. And number eight is go to a new area or get on what you are not great at. So I hope that you really enjoyed this. This is such a fun list for me to make. And yeah, this this idea just came to me yesterday and I was like, oh my God, I need to do that because I was really feeling uninspired up until then. And then I was like, wow, this is like, I need to share this with you guys because all of these things, each of these eight things has made such a big impact on me. And again, I think we really glamorize the, the physical training side of things, but that is not, that is just a piece of the puzzle. So exploring each of these options can be really powerful. So if you have not yet left a rating and a review of the podcast, I would so appreciate you doing so. It helps me a ton. It helps other people find the podcast as well. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it on your Instagram stories, tag me, and I will repost it. It makes my day to see what you are enjoying. Leave a comment on my most recent post about this if you enjoyed this and what your favorite tip and takeaway from this was. I am so excited to continue talking about climbing for the next couple weeks and now that I really feel like I have the freedom and permission to do so again if you haven't looked into your Enneagram and your four tendencies would highly recommend I will leave a link in the show notes to where you can go look and explore into that for yourself and I'm really excited to be chatting about climbing again It, it feels really good so I hope you guys have an excellent rest of your day I hope that you are able to get out and go climbing and possibly try one of these tips that we just talked about today I will talk to you next episode.